Hey everybody, how you doing? Hope you're enjoying them waffles and that cup of steaming hot Joe on Saturday morning. Grab some eggs, nurse that hangover. That's what we're here for, here on the weekend edition of Sports Frenzy 2.0. I am the maestro Kevin Crane. I'm the conquistador Dave Height. Taping here on the 14th of September. This of course hits Saturday morning the 17th. As Dave said, nursing you through your hangover getting you prepped for Saturday night. And if for some strange reason you don't want to watch football on Sunday, we've got you covered. Let you know what to listen to in terms of music, what to watch. Or if you get bored throughout the rest of the week, you got something to do because we endorsed it. That's right. What are you going to do Tuesday nights? There's nothing going on Tuesday nights. Exactly. Or you got to go out and do something because there's going to be nothing that we have to recommend. As always, we start off with rock and roll. The music segment here on the weekend edition is first and foremost. Next week, we will have our review of Stone Temple Pilots and Everclear from Four Winds Field in South Bend, Indiana for you. Finally yep. getting back into the concert flow again. Woohoo! We got one. But I for think, what, next up then? Mr. Klein Mr. and the Peacemakers in October. in October, and then, later October, Judas Priest. With Queensryche. With Queensryche. So we got, we got a few yet to round out this year. Yes, we'll get them done before the snow starts falling. That's right. But this week we have an album review for you and a couple songs. Of course, the album review is the major release of the past week, that would be Ozzy Osbourne's Patient Number 9. Now, I don't, I don't want to speak for Dave, but I think I can say that we were not overwhelmed with the first two singles we heard. Right. The, the title track, Patient Number 9, and then Degradation Rules, both very lackluster. And did not give us high hopes for the album. And I am so tired of hearing patient number nine on the radio right now. That. Uh, Slap a CD in, man. Yeah, Don't no listen kidding. to radio. Can't. Do not it's listen just, to terrestrial radio. No. It, it It's painful. It's too long. And I'm sorry, Jeff Beck is overrated. Yeah, it is definitely overlong the title track which is the first song on the album patient number nine yeah over seven minutes long my god yes and it doesn't offer anywhere near close to seven minutes worth of solid worthy material yeah and you got the mumblings at the beginning and at the end mommy mommy that stuff just and there's there's a there's coming from a man who's over 70 years old that stuff is just a little too creepy there's like three or four songs where you've got to throw some stupid little thing after the song and it's just annoying yeah um we're not going to go track by track here but i think dave and i it feels like i have that vibe we've been doing this for 30 years dave and i kind of know that this what each other are kind of going for when it comes to reviews and i yeah. think dave and i were both 
underwhelmed by patient number nine. And I think the first two singles basically set the tone for the rest of the album in that it's a, yeah. a very I, depressing I and very, very underwhelming album. It let's is. put it that way. Most of the songs you've already heard. They sounded exactly formulaic. the same. Very formulaic. I think there's this a- formula that Ozzy Osbourne has has done here over the last two albums, going back to even his last album, where he brings in different guitar players for most of the songs on the album, does not work. No. Let me explain to you kids oh my where God. Dave and I come from on this. Dave and I grew up with Ozzy Osbourne when he had one magnificent guitar player on an entire album, whether it was Randy Rhodes or Jakey e. Lee or Zach Wilde. There was a cohesion to the band. There was a flow to the album. The intensity for the guitar player Never. went through beginning to end. It gave the albums back in Blizzard of Oz, Dire of a Madman, all Bark at the Moon, all that, that great 80s and early 90s catalog that we love from Ozzy Osbourne was driven by a single guitarist leading the charge. And so now we have got no less than what five, five guitar players on this album going from Jeff Beck, which Dave mentioned, Mike McCready, Zach Wilde, Tony Iommi, and, and even, even Eric, Eric Clapton. Clapton. <laughs> and it, it <laughs> you're going to get mad at me for this. The Eric Clapton song is one of my favorite you know, songs on the album. <laughs> uh, I love the lyrics. The refrain is catchy as hell. The only thing I didn't like is the guitar stuff. It was the same damn class Clapton rift. You knew it was him. It sounded like every other freaking song he's ever done. Outside of the guitar, I loved everything about that song. Yeah, it was very catchy chorus. This is one of those days where I don't believe in Jesus. Very catchy. Yeah, it, it's just one of those that if it would have been one of the other guitarists, I think that would have solidified it. But you just heard the remnants of Layla and everything else Clapton has ever done in the guitar work. It was like he phoned it in. Well, and I was thinking about that too. You come in for one song how can you really, it's almost to me like we do our Sports Frenzy sports podcast earlier in the week. It's almost to me like an athlete being called in to pitch an inning. You're not going to get to pitch the whole game. You're not the starting pitcher. Right. But you're going to be called in to pitch the seventh inning. And how hard is yeah. it for an athlete to get geared let's, up? Let's, let's pull to, you out of center field to eat an and inning again, because you're getting destroyed. This goes back to my point about the earlier Ozzy Osbourne albums where you had, yes, he jumped through tragedy, through firings, through drug addictions, whatever it might have been. He jumped from different guitar players, but at least for the entire album. You had the one guitar player. Right. Yes. Not jumping from song to song to song with a different guitar player and a different feel. And again, this is the second album in a row where he's done this. And I'll tell you, Zach Wilde, of course, has played with Ozzy in the past. You could hear Zach Wilde is the one guitarist that stood who out. pulls it together for Ozzy. He yeah. gets the vibe he knows 
the songs are still subpar. They in are, in my opinion. Oh, but by at least far. Parasite with Zach is really good. I kind of like that. See, you didn't like Immortal. That was one that I kind of enjoyed. It was okay. It was. I didn't so dislike it. It was okay. That was like one of three that really stood out to me. Immortal, Parasite, and Nothing Feels Right. And of course, Nothing, fe- nothing Feels Right and Parasite are both Zach Wilde. Exactly. And I have those. As, I have four that I liked. I have Nothing Feels Right, Parasite, one of these days. Well, yeah, we that's the fourth one that I And I will I will begrudgingly say I liked degradation rules. Uh, I it's kind of an earworm. Yeah. But that's not enough on 13 songs no. to recommend an album. Because let's face it, God only knows and that damn dark side blues crap. Where it sounds like he's singing out of a tin can. Yeah, that was abysmal. Yeah, the last three songs are the, the, the three songs on the album where he does not note any kind of a special guest guitarist. Yeah, it's just... Ugh. It and just course, goes off It the shows rails. because as much as we're complaining about shifting guitar players from song to song, those last three could you be did. the worst because... There's no personality in those songs. Right. It's just blah. And you just wonder, again, is this another example of an old school rocker who's lost his edge? I mean, I remember, again, going back to Blizzard of Oz and Bark at the Moon and those guitar riffs and those hooks. I mean, Over the Mountain and Crazy Train and Bark at the Moon those are some unbelievable classic 80s metal songs. Yes. And now it's just all formulaic crap. You know, yes, we get it, Ozzy. You're demonic and you're blah, possessed. Blah, You've got a blah. personality disorder or whatever. Blah, blah, blah. But this all sounds like Mr. Crowley. Oh, that's an insult to Mr. Crowley. I know. <laughs> but it's, it's still, it just... Most of it just sounded the freaking same. I know. I feel the exact same way. I I hate to say it. I can only give patient number nine one and a half frenzies. Oh, I was gonna go a week too. <laughs> yeah, I just I can't I can't four songs out of thirteen yeah, I know. is not it's even close just, to being an acceptable ratio. No. So, I think I'm just giving it to Ozzy because of his historical factor. The legend. The I know legend. I know. It's just Maybe I'm in a bad mood this week, but I can't. I can't. I listened to this thing about six different times, and it just did not. Yeah, I know. I did too. And I had to like split it up towards the fourth or fifth listen because I couldn't waste an entire hour straight through. I would get so bored halfway through that I, I could feel my attention wandering. Yeah. I get it. I completely get it. That's why I'm being very harsh on the album. Yeah. It, it, took several times to get through it and a lot of it i was listening to when i was working in the basement and it was so droll i tuned most of it out while i was working that's not what i usually do i like to find stuff that i can groove to and get into and i couldn't with this one so there you go kids stay away from ozzy osbourne's patient number nine Dave and I cannot recommend it. No, sorry. As much as it pains us to say it, given 
the wonderful metal memories we've got with Ozzy Osbourne. Ozzy, go gently into that good night. <clears throat> go back to England. Enjoy your life back there. I understand completely leaving California because of the taxes. That's fine. We get that. We still love you. But just no more. No, no more, more boring albums. No more. No more boring albums. No more. Hang up the microphone. All right. Couple songs to review for you this week. First up, Dave's band. The Cult. Oh, we have A Cut Inside. This kind of mellowish harkened back a little bit to some of the stuff off Sonic Temple that I kind of enjoyed. I was grooving to this one. It, it was kind of catchy, and I enjoyed it. Rating? I will give it a three. Of course, this is the second single from Under the Midnight Sun, which is coming out October the 7th. First single was Give Me Mercy. There's a good song somewhere in a cut inside. But I feel like it's a little underproduced, and I feel like, again, this is another aging band that just doesn't have the kick anymore, doesn't have that ball-busting edge to them. I think you don't the have older cult. You don't have the raw cut that you had from Electric. If we went back to the earlier cult, Sonic Temple, Electric era cult, and you gave them the song, they would have they would have kicked it up a couple shit. notches. It could have been a four. Because I'm telling you, there is a good song in here somewhere. I like it. But again, it feels muted to me. It feels a little bit subdued. Yeah. So I can only give it a two and a half. Two and a half frenzies for me. There you go. I can see that. And I like Give Me Mercy to that about that level as well. It just feels like... And again, yes. this is where the producer, the engineer have to come in and... Maybe hook up the battery to their balls to get the little jump start. Do something to get the guys given that extra extra 10% they need to make it, like you said, a four frenzy song. Yeah. To make it a classic. And of course, could have been... when they're younger, they got more energy. They're hungrier. There's more at stake. Now they're comfortable. They're older. Yeah. How about you try and hook in a new generation that will want to go back? And listen to the good stuff. There you go. Now, I will actually go out on a limb here with our final song for segment one. And say that even though it's not a great song, it's probably my favorite <laughs> of the week. And that would be the, the outtake from the 40th anniversary edition of Creatures of the Night from Kiss. Yep, Betrayed. This one I have a love-hate with. It's very catchy, but very repetitive. That and, I'm sorry, the vocals are so freaking mumbled. If it was produced and given the treatment it needed, it would be freaking phenomenal. 
but the beginning of the song, you can't hardly understand what they're singing until they hit the refrain. Well, of course, it's an outtake, so it probably didn't go through the entire process right. of getting polished but and the, engineered properly. But the bones are there. Yeah. It's it's a class it could have been a classic kiss song off of Creatures of the Night. Yeah. Yeah, and again, I it's very repetitive. Again, it needed that extra step like you're saying. It needed that extra level of polish, maybe a little bit of a rewrite. Yeah. Again, another another example, get me a strong producer, a strong engineer in there. Yeah, they who's had who's not afraid of Gene Simmons and will tell Gene Simmons, "Fucking do it right." Yeah. Let's kick ass. Let's let's put another different verse or chorus in there other than the same thing over and over and over again. Which they are known to do. Right. But again, since this is an outtake, obviously didn't go through the everything that it needed. Right. Yeah. But still, that being said, it was catchy enough for me where I've got to give it a strong two and a half. That's right where I had it too. Yeah. And again, with the weak stuff, the weak sauce, unfortunately, here in the music segment that we brought you this week, that's probably the best. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, the cult, the cult song is I, close. It's, it's really, really close. close. I enjoyed it more than you did, but I agree it needed that edge. I could almost compare the Kiss song and the cult song in that they both needed something that more. Little extra. They both needed somebody to whisper in the ear of Gene and Paul for Kiss or Billy Duffy. Yeah. And Ian Asbury for the cult to say, let's, we can do better. Step it's it great. Up. It's like a director in the movies. Yeah. Great actor does a really good take, but the director goes, you can, you do, can better. do better. You can do better. And I expect better. Do it again. You got, you can't be intimidated by, especially when you're dealing with Kiss, legendary yeah, Hall goes, of Famers. No, they also can get complacent and need a kick in the ass. Yeah. All right, next week, our music segment, as we mentioned, will feature our concert review of STP and Everclear. We will also be reviewing new songs from, this will be fun, <laughs> Alter Bridge, Sin After Sin, Sammy Hagar and the Circle. We are going to do something we have never done here before. Compare and contrast with the third single off Crazy Times, Funky Feng Shui, because there is an alternate version yes. that was on their lockdown CD, their COVID era CD from about a year and a half ago. So we're going to compare the new version versus the old version. And then, of course, I don't know why I feel like I'm on an island here with this. <laughs> I just feel like nobody loves Nickelback but me and you. Come on. Been Why waiting. does everybody bag on Nickelback? I don't been get waiting it. and waiting for new stuff from Nickelback. The new album, Get Rollin', comes out November the 18th. The first single is San Quentin. Yep. We will review that next week. Everybody bags on Nickelback, yet they continue to sell out concerts. They continue to sell mega copies. Of albums, They continue to singles. have... 
hot singles climbing the charts. What the hell? Yeah. All these secret Nickelback fans, you know, that no, they never get out there on social media and stick up for the band. All the haters are out there. All the trolls. We like Nickelback, damn it, and we're damn proud to say so. Hell yeah! So suck it. Finally, a new band. I appreciate the Conquistador going down this path with me. We need something new. Band called Royal Republic. Been around for quite a while. Sound a lot like one of my favorite bands, The Hives. So we're going to review a new song from them called Diggin' It. I enjoy The Hives, so I'm, I'm intrigued by this one. Like I said, they've been around for a while. They come from the same area overseas. That whole Swedish, Norway thing. So. We'll see what we get. Yes. One of those songs that Spotify suggested to me. As a spillover, when I was listening to one song that I loved, and then of course you walk out of the room, they start playing something that they think you, you might should listen enjoy. to for once. Sometimes very cool. It hooks you, and other times, what the hell is this crap? Yeah, didn't they screw us on that with Michael Schenker? Yes, yes. They <laughs> Even did. though we know who Michael Schenker is, and we usually love Michael <clears throat> Schenker. Yeah, that was just a yeah. All right, that's going to do it for the music segment. Segment one here. And like we said, stay away from Michael Stinker. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, as much of a legendary guitar player as he is, that that could be end up being the Sports Frenzy worst album of the year. It's in the running. That being said, next up, tons of movies. Uncle Kev has got story time for you. Not one, but two. Uncle Dave is going to give you a review of a new movie that just came out on HBO Max in the theater still, but I have got a tie-in story time for that, too. Plus, my review of Thor, Love and Thunder. I'm sorry. Yes. You can already tell the enthusiasm (laughs) seeping from my pores about this one. Yeah, it's not a hunk of burning love, is it? (laughs) Movie segment is going to be a blast, kids, so stay tuned. We will be right back. Stuck in a no-win situation? Wife being held captive while your feet bleed? Take a second to decompress. Pull out your smartphone and listen to Sports Frenzy 2.0 on Spotify, Anchor, Google, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Breaker, Apple, Overcast, and CastBox. And don't forget to check out their Facebook page. The Maestro and the Conquistador will take your mind off your dire predicament and give you the best non-PC sports commentary you'll find anywhere. And once you compose your exit strategy and take down some German terrorists, you'll want to yell, yippee Sports Frenzy 2.0. All right, kids, welcome back. Segment two of the weekend edition of Sports Frenzy 2.0 with me, the Conquistador Dave Height. And the maestro, Kevin Crane. 
And here we are getting ready to talk movies on Spotify, Anchor, Google, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Amazon, Audible, Apple, Overcast, CastBox, and Stitcher! Oh, September 17th, you're listening to this, Nursing Your Hangovers, here as we record on the 14th. We got a few movies to discuss. Lots of movies to discuss, including some story times. All from me. Some good, some bad. And some in between. I will start off with one of our two featured reviews for the week. That would be the latest MCU movie, Thor Love and Thunder, which recently hit Disney Plus a few weeks ago. I had bad feelings about this movie when I saw the previews. I am not a fan of the rat since they've taken over Marvel, taken over the movies. I could I could literally see the drop in quality coming. And unfortunately the rat has not disappointed me. Oh. The last four go. or five movies have not been as good as I have hoped that they would be. Black Widow was fine. Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness was fine. Eternals was mediocre. And now we get Love and Thunder. Should it be called Love and Plunder? Very good. Very good. <laughs> nice, Dave. Nice. I'm trying to be as reserved as I can with my criticism of this because I do love Taika Waititi. He is responsible, we'll get to it later, one of our favorite TV shows. He is responsible for what we do in the shadows. Absolutely hysterical, creative, funny, witty, intelligent comedy on FX that we've been watching now for four years yep. that we love. So I can't rip him to shreds too much, but at the same time, he should not be allowed to do superhero movies ever again. I was not a fan of Ragnarok. A lot of people loved it. A lot of people thought the humor in it was needed. <sighs> you know, you had the Hulk in it which was kind of an interesting twist. It was a little too hokey for being a Marvel If you flick. thought Ragnarok was too hokey, oh, my friend. Stay the away. The first hour of Thor Love and Thunder, I thought I was watching Mel Brooks doing a Marvel Universe oh, movie. Oh, God. It oh, goes God. so far over the top. It is so embarrassingly bad. Oh, I didn't want to hear that. The Guardians of the Galaxy, they tease the Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, they're in this. They're in it for about four minutes oh, at the geez. beginning. And they are not. I think James Gunn, who is the mastermind behind the Guardians of the Galaxy, as he is behind Peacemaker yeah. out of the DC universe, who actually knows how to work humor into a superhero yeah. movie or show without ruining the vibe yeah where it's not forced where it just happens so many flaws in the first hour of love and thunder so many awkward 
cringe-worthy moments. Oof. And I can't stand the character that Watiti plays, the rock creature, Korg. He is so embarrassingly stupid. They brought stupid Korg back? Why? Because that gives Watiti a chance to be in the goddamn movie. Oh my god, that was the worst part of Ragnarok. Oh yeah, he's still in it, and he's still a major part of it. Oh god, oh god. And then they have this whole awkward love thing going on between Jane Foster and Thor. The worst of it all, though, the the absolute nadir of the whole thing is when, and I'm sorry, I'm not trying to spoil things for people. I'm actually trying to warn you off. Russell Crowe comes in about halfway through the movie as Zeus. And it, it completely embarrasses himself. Completely embarrasses himself as Zeus. There's no reason and for I, Zeus I to I make an appearance in Nordic mythology. I can't blame Crow per se, because I don't know what he was told to do, how he was directed by Taika Watiti. But he embarrasses himself as Zeus. I mean, I love Russell Crowe. I loved him in The Nice Guys. Tons of great movies. Academy Award winner, Gladiator. Yeah. This was embarrassing for him, in my opinion. Oof. And this was the low point of the movie, is when they bring him in. Now, I will say this. Christian Bale, great as the villain. The God Butcher. But he's not really in it a lot. Ugh. Again, obviously not in this big stretch where the movie shits the bed. The last half an hour isn't bad because they actually decide, let's go back and make it an actual superhero movie. Instead of a comedy farce. Yes. Yes. But I am so tired of this. Thor is not... Ant-Man is okay. You want to throw the humor in with Ant-Man? I get it. Ant-Man has always been a little bit of a joke of a superhero. Right. That's fine. Thor is one of the most serious, mighty heroes in the MCU. And you're degrading him to shtick Now comedy. with two straight movies you've done this. Two straight movies you've done this. And they're going to look at the box office numbers for Love and Thunder and go, oh, people love it. It made $340 million. No. I look at the reviews on Amazon where they pretty much, if you put a negative review on, delete it. And it's only got two and a half out of five because it's that shitty of a movie. People went to it because it was a Marvel Thor movie. And I love Chris Hemsworth as Thor. I think he's fantastic as Thor. But everything around him is complete and total shit in this movie. Again, the last half hour, okay. One of the three or four worst Marvel movies ever made. Oof. Two frenzies. Wow. You're still giving it two? <laughs> the last half hour redeemed it a little bit. Wow. I was at one and a half. I was going to put it down with Aquaman. Oh. And I hated Aquaman. But again, people love Aquaman. What? People love 
Love and Thunder, and I'm like, what the hell movie are you people watching that I'm not watching? Aquaman was a piece of garbage. Love and Thunder, very similar in its its tone, the jokiness. It doesn't take the character seriously. These superheroes, for the most part, need to be taken seriously. And all we're seeing now is, let's make a joke out of it. Let's make them jokey. Like the Suicide Squad. Let's oh, make them jokey. Yeah, No, you can only go so far with that. The superheroes need to be taken seriously. Yes, occasional bits of humor. The Iron Man movies. The Captain America movies. Perfect. Yeah, you get the little one-liners, you get the little scenes where something comes up that they go off on. That's one thing, but to make it a complete joke throughout, you just can't go there. No, and I, I guess what they did was they overcompensated because people didn't like the first two Thor movies because they were too serious and too dark, but I kind of liked them. That's what you needed. So they went the other way with the third they and the fourth. They went too far then. I will say this. They introduced in one of the two post-credit scenes a very intriguing new character. Not new, but we've never seen this Marvel character before on the big screen. That will make, if they go with Thor or 5 at some point, make things very interesting. All right. But last thing I want to say about this. This would have been better off as a Disney Plus series than a movie. I don't see how this is justified as a movie. Wow. All right. There you go. All right. The other feature review, the blockbuster biopic, Elvis. Did not go down the path that I thought. This was more almost of a Colonel Tom Parker bio as much as it was about Elvis. And it starts off with Parker. And the story is told by him from his perspective of what was going on, which I did not care for at all because it tried to make himself out to be a victim instead of the villain that he actually was. Two hours and 40 minutes. Two hours and 40 minutes. 40 minutes too long. There were so many different pieces that they just drug out that had no place to be in there for as much as it was. And they slightly touched on Elvis's relationship with his mom, which was huge. It really didn't get what it should have as told through Parker's eyes. They did the whole new Elvis thing where they didn't want him to do his hip shaking stuff. Okay, fine. Drug on a little bit. You know, Elvis had the huge entourage. They 
the Memphis Mafia. Hardly mentioned them. Showed a scene on the tour bus where it named everybody. That was pretty much all you got there. A little bit with them hanging on, but not the full interaction that you would have thought. Slight little thing with the breakup with Priscilla. Did not go much into that. Really went into the production of the show to perform at the International, which was good to see how he wanted to build this huge show. But then again, that was overshadowed by Parker negotiating with the owner to clear his gambling debts and to try and trap Elvis into performing there. And it very it mentioned at the end the death. Did not do much of a lead up into it. It was it was disappointing quite frankly, because you wanted the Elvis biopic. It was mostly about Parker, which is unfortunate and sad. And there, there was a lot that just didn't jibe. And watched it with my wife and my mom. My mom grew up during the era where he started and she said her friends, some of them had gone to see it twice. Some of them were going back to see it a third time. And she's like, I don't get it. There's nothing here. Why? And she goes, I wasn't that big of an Elvis fan, but still, this is just eh. very lackluster, very disappointing. Tom Hanks hammed it up a little too much as Parker. The accent he used was very grating. Supposedly American, but he came off sounding European. I I can only give it one and a half. Wow. I mean, it just... The guy who played Elvis was phenomenal. Yeah. He did a good job portraying him what they had him doing but the focus was too much on parker and his perspective of everything and at the end yeah they explained how awful he was but it was too much parker you didn't get the full elvis perspective that you had expected and that was very disappointing. All right. You're going to get mad at me. Well, you shouldn't be mad at me because I've got a little partial story time here involving Elvis. I was told that I had an HBO free preview through Friday night, last Friday night, the 9th. So that's when we taped on Wednesday night. Right. And I said, I should be able to watch this, no problem. Thursday night, what am I doing? I'm watching the Bills and the Rams. I'm not watching Elvis, but I'm like, Friday all day. I got I got, yeah, I got plenty got time. of time. I sit down at quarter to seven Friday night with my dinner. 
turn on Elvis. I get through half an hour. They shut down the free preview. Are you freaking kidding 7 me? 7.15 on Friday night. They shut down the free preview. Bullshit. It should have been at till midnight. midnight. I, I'm like, what happened? The internet go out? Because it just blipped. It just went out. You can't do that. And then I go, I try to, you know, I can it's get it through. It's always midnight. I can get it through my Amazon. I can get it through my Roku or through my PlayStation. I tried all three of them. No, they shut me out. They shut it down at 7.15 Friday night. Bitch. So I got through half an hour of it. So obviously I can't give a full review, but I will say that everything you've said about it, I got the same exact feeling from the half hour I watched. I agree completely with everything you've said about the Tom Hanks accent, the Tom Hanks overacting. I did not like the Colonel Tom Parker perspective. I thought a lot of it was overwrought and overdone. Again, I only saw the first half an hour. That was enough to go to, to make me cringe watching the yes. rest of it. Yes. And him him shaking in the revival tent for like three straight minutes. Yeah. I'm like, we get it. That's enough. We get it. Yeah, there, like there was said, a lot of you could have cut that down to mm -hmm. a minute. You didn't even need a minute of that. There, I <sighs> did not like the directing at all. No. Again, from what I saw, it, and I it felt didn't so get bad. I was like, I should, I should text Dave and tell Dave, don't watch it. From what I've seen so far, it doesn't look good, and I can't no, watch the rest of it. We needed to give it a fair shake. It needed to be reviewed for our listeners. It was just disappointing. And you're right, the directing was awful. The, the focus, the lack of focus, I should say, was pretty bad. Yeah, I, am, I will not trust any, any more free previews that they tell me I get if they're going to pull this shit where they shut them down at some odd time at night. That's ridiculous. 7.15 on Friday night, they decide, no, free preview's over. No. Who decides that? It historically has always been midnight. Always. You get the day. Once it flips to the next day at midnight, that's plus, when it gets plus, cut off. Don't they usually go over the weekend? Generally, this it's went over from, the weekend. This went from usually Tuesday, midnight Sunday is the cutoff. This went from Tuesday to Friday early evening. What the hell is that? That's crap. That's bad. That's just awful. Shame on you, HBO. All right. I do have two legitimate story times to wrap up. Our movie reviews. Number one, I've been waiting for weeks because Heat 2, the book written by Michael Mann along with Lisa Gardner. Yes. Came out about a month ago. I am reading that right now, very intrigued by it. So that gave me an excuse in story time to go back and watch the classic Michael Mann movie heat starring 
De Niro, Pacino, Kilmer, Sizemore, Ashley Judd, unbelievable cast. Wes Studi, Michael T. Really Williamson. Damn I good mean, it's cast. unbelievable cast, and it's an unbelievable movie. Runs over two and a half hours. Two hours and 50 minutes. But it is not slow at all. It does not bog down like we're talking about how overlong Elvis is. Yeah. Heat needs to be two hours and 50 minutes. It is unbelievably intense, well done, well acted. Of course, this was not- notorious for the first on screen, face to face meeting of Pacino and De Niro. Right. Of course, I love Val Kilmer beyond belief. Yeah. Not the first time they were in the same movie. No. First face first to face. First face to face interaction. Both in the Godfather saga. Yes. Heat is intense. Heat is fantastic. Everything that's going on from the the shootout on the streets of Los Angeles with the bank robbery gone wrong, with De Niro not being able to cut and run. He's found the woman he wants to spend his life with, and he can't stop going after revenge for the one guy who betrayed them, who screwed up the whole bank heist, who got one of his crew killed, he can't leave it alone. He's got to go back, and it ends up being the the end of him. And it is unbelievably poetic, intense, and brilliant. What is the greatest quote from Dirty Harry and Magnum Force? A man's got to know his limitations. Now, of course, the great thing about Heat 2, the book, is it starts off hours after the end of the movie, and then it jumps back in time to a very intriguing heist situation in Chicago back about seven or eight years before the 1995 setting of the movie. And then eventually time jumps forward to Al Pacino's Hannah trying to track down Val Kilmer's Chaherlis, who was one of the few to survive and get out. Yes. So I'm very Mm. intrigued down the road to give you a review of the book, but the movie itself, Heat, phenomenal i am a michael mann fanatic of course going back to miami vice this is his ultimate movie miami vice was his ultimate tv show this is his ultimate movie three and a half frenzies for heat there you go now of course story time number two Dave, of course. <laughs> he said number two. <laughs> yeah, that's where we're going. We're going We're going crude and childish. Because, of course, Dave and I, tomorrow night, as we tape this on the 14th, Thursday the 15th, are going to see the Fathom Events Clerks 3 showing locally here. Yes, yes, we are. So I've seen Clerks, the first Clerks, 25 30 times i didn't need to watch it again but i did want to watch clerks 2 again to kind of bridge me in to clerks 3 wanted to predominantly because of one character i wanted to brush up on elias because we all know he's now working at the quick stop 
the rebuilt, revamped, the rebuilt, quick revamped quick stop. And yes, he's supposed to be there today. And of course, this is very special for Dave and I because not only are we going to see Clerks 3 tomorrow together, we saw Clerks 2 together on a sports frenzy movie night out. We did. And it's Ugh. the thing about it is it's better than I remembered. That's the best compliment I can give the movie. Even the sentimental goopy parts towards the end are better. They resonate more. Maybe it's because we're older. Maybe it's because some of the things they say hit harder about love, friendship, you know, responsibility, all that stuff. Yes, none of that was in the first movie. No. The first movie was a raunch fest from beginning to end. Yes. The second one actually was a little more human, but there are still unbelievably funny moments in Clerks 2. You never go ass to mouth. You never go <laughs> ass to mouth. We're taking back Porch Monkey. <laughs> and then, of course, the one I greeted Dave tonight when he showed up at my house. Pickle fucker. Pickle fucker. Jason Lee's character, <laughs> the pickle fucker. <laughs> I'd forgotten completely about the whole picker pickle fucker thing. And then, of course, as Randall immaturely tries to, of course, taint pickle fuckers food, <laughs> putting flies on the hamburger, using ice from the, the urinal yeah, in the bathroom. <laughs> and, of course, Jason Lee's character is smart enough to know this is coming. Hands the bag and the drink off to Jason Silent Bob. <laughs> and so a few minutes later, of course, we are given the treat of <laughs> eating and drinking. And Jay going, dude, does this taste like flies and piss to you? <laughs> Immature, and, but funnier than hell. And don't forget the donkey show. Yes, Kinky Kelly, who does not turn out <laughs> to be what Randall thought. <laughs> and of course, it's so disturbing, but I can't look away. <laughs> and Rosario Dawson is awesome. I'm she so is glad. Phenomenal. I am so glad that Dante chose her. Even though, of course, the other woman who he is initially supposed to marry is Kevin Smith's wife <laughs> in real life. Yeah. But oh, I look back at the, the Kinky Kelly and the donkey thing, and the moment that sticks with me is early on when they pull into the parking lot, and, of course, Randall's get trying to get Dante out of there. Go after your girlfriend. Go after the, your true love. Go, go, go. Want, doesn't want him to see the surprise he's got it, yeah. set up for him. Going over to the guy, having a conversation with, who ends up being Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> but Randall doesn't realize it. And he's asking, well, do you think I can get together with Kelly? <laughs> <laughs> and the guy's going, yeah, probably. Not realizing, Not realizing that's, that's Kelly. Because Kelly. <laughs> Kelly can be a guy's name, too. That's right. <laughs> Clerks 2 oh, is so good. Now, it's not going to be the classic four frenzy review that the original gets. No, no. But it's it's better than I remembered, and I remembered it very fondly. I give Clerks 2 three and a half frenzies. Yeah, it, it, it kind of holds up well. It does. It holds up very, very well. And again, even the sentimental goopy stuff yeah. works a little bit better on repeated viewings. Again, maybe because I'm older and I can appreciate the sentiment behind it more. 
Or maybe we're just that sick and twisted and tied into Kevin Smith's views on everything. Yeah, my what I saw today, of course, it opened Tuesday, yesterday, as we're taping. Box office says it made about $1.1 million. Again, with only it's two shows. It's limited release. Two shows. But I loved how the review said, but with Kevin Smith's fanatical fan base, you don't know how high this number could go over the next three or four days. Yeah. We're part of that fanatical fan base. Damn Skippy, baby. We've seen him in concert. Oh, my God. That was so much fun. We've seen him with Jason Muse. We are part of that fanatical fan base. So, hopefully, when you get our review of Clerks 3 next week, you, along with us, will not be disappointed. We will let you know good, the bad, the ugly, the funny. And I'm we sure won't it's going to have coding. I'm sure it's going to have all of that. <laughs> all and the of debauchery. It. Yep. Hopefully, the last decade has not mellowed Kevin Smith when it comes to the filmmaking. I'm sure there's going to be sentimental stuff. But it's a personal film. Yes. Autobiographical in a way. Yes. Dealing with his heart attack, projecting that onto Randall. If if this is spoiling it for you, then you obviously live under a rock because everybody, Where have you been? everybody who's read anything about the movie knows this part of it is True. integral. And of course, then they film his biography <laughs> at the quick stop. Okay. Wait right. till next Wait week. Wait till next week. We'll we'll let you know, kids. TV and streaming coming up next. Hold on for just a little bit longer. Are you tired of getting body slammed by the mainstream sports media? Are you sick of their lame trash talk? Check out Sports Frenzy 2.0 with a tag team of the maestro and the conquistador. Pile drive those jackasses into submission. Available on all major podcast hosts, including Spotify, Anchor, Google, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Breaker, Apple, Overcast, and CastBox. Kevin Dave, slap a figure four on all the major sports networks who lie, kiss ass, and refuse to take names. New episodes drop every Thursday with new weekend edition episodes every Saturday. And that's the bottom line, because Sports Frenzy said so. All right, kids, time for TV and streaming and dumbasses of the week here on the weekend edition, Sports Frenzy 2.0. This is hitting September the 17th, 2022. I'm the maestro, Kevin Crane. I'm the conquistador, Dave Height. We've got you through music. We've got you through <laughs> movies. Now it's time to get you through TV and streaming. And, of course, this past week, we saw season four end for one of our favorite shows out there, What We Do in the Shadows. That was a damn quick 10-episode season. It always seems like it's quick, man. When you love something like that, it always it seems like it's so quick. so damn fast. Yep. I will say this, this was not my favorite season, but it was still <clears throat> damn good. Yeah, there there were a couple of storylines in there like, why the hell are you dragging this on? And others where it's like, oh, this is just brilliant to carry through. Yeah. The whole thing with Colin Robinson 
I love. Yes, that was fantastic. As we see from the beginning of the season to the end of the season, how Baby he goes Colin from to back to back full to Colin, full grown Colin. Of course, not understanding why everybody's shocked. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, God. All I did was... was leave all my journals behind, and I knew one day I'd find them, <laughs> and I could read them all, and I'd be back to who I was. As yep. everybody starts falling so... asleep. <laughs> because the energy vampire's back, baby. And, of course, Guillermo is once again going through a crisis. Guillermo's always going through a crisis. But so maybe. So now he's finally... still, possibly, maybe. Trying to become a vampire yet again. Still. And he might have found a way around asking Nandor over and over and over again to do it. Yep. Nandor promises, promises, and will not go there. Ugh. Yeah, Nan Nandor's wedding and that whole thing drug on a little too that long. That I agree with. That was probably the one storyline that didn't really resonate all that well no it the didn't. gin was kind of the funny gin was fun but the whole wedding thing and everything that just and no. then nandor not being able to make up his mind about what he wants or who he wants <sighs> yeah that, that, that got i did quick. i did actually like the nightclub thing more than i thought i would the nightclub actually worked better than i thought yes when they introduced it because all the ads leading up into the season made it look like that was going to be the predominant number one overarching storyline of the season and it yeah. didn't end up being that it no, ended up being which a was decent... a good thing the the yeah the vampire nightclub and colin robinson growing up were the two storylines that really hit and carried the season yeah everything else was eh Although the episode with the Jersey Devil was pretty damn good. <laughs> and of course, how the head of the Jersey Devil, after that, kept making a prominent appearance in almost every episode. Yeah. As it was mounted on the wall. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the one that I really... The, the one-off episodes were great. Well, the one that I really thought when I saw it at the beginning that I thought was going to work better than it did was the go flip yourself. I thought when, yeah. when they started that episode, I thought this is going to be great. It's going to be a classic. And by the end I was like, eh, it's okay. It didn't, it didn't really do that much for me. Of course there's the twist, the twist in there. Yeah. But the see, I, I'm not a big game. fan of that character. No, neither I, am I. I try not to spoil things for everybody. Who hasn't caught up on season four yet? But it's all about the damn hat. Yeah, yeah. And the the long introduction of here's all my people, here's my posse. That we didn't need. Yeah. That drug on way too long. It should have just been a quick, ha ha, I got you. It's mine now. And trying to go instead of trying to reintroduce every freaking character. Yeah, associated. Yep. I'll still give it three and a half frenzies. It's still oh yeah, the writing one of the overall. two or be, two or three best shows on TV. Yeah, easily for sure. Yep, along with uh, Resident Alien, which we'll get to overarching. When, once the season wraps up, 
we'll give you the full review. I am hoping for next week to be fully caught up on Animal Kingdom, which you gave, what was it, last week, two weeks ago? Uh, Two weeks ago. Two Two weeks weeks ago. Your generic My, season six series recap. Well, that makes it sound harsh. I was generic because I didn't want to spoil it for you. I know, and I'm letting the people know that I have just begun catching up on season six here this week, and I'm hoping here shortly to be able to wrap it up so we can do a full dive into the Cody family. So be prepared to record next week's episode especially the tv and streaming it'll almost be like a college level class as dave and i dissect Dissect. animal kingdom (laughs) there's just so much going on in this whole thing it's it's crazy yep great 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 show unbelievable show oedipus would have no clue what the hell to do (laughs) freud (laughs) <laughs> Freud would be lost. Yeah, you have mommy issues. Yeah, yeah, you do. <laughs> mommy has issues. <laughs> so, yes, hopefully we will have that next week for you in our TV and streaming. A uh, couple tidbits before we move on to our dumbasses. Dave and his boys, I know, have been looking forward to watching this show. So this might be the impetus to get them and me as well to start watching it. Pennyworth, season three, coming yes. to HBO Max October the 6th. I know, that's that's one that I'm trying to get them to settle in and watch as we gear up, waiting for the next season four Titans. Good news on the other front. I have heard that Doom Patrol season four is already done. Oh, thank God. So this whole HBO Max discovery. Yeah, as long as they don't decide to pull it. Like Batgirl? No, I don't think they're going to do that. So we might actually get, believe it or not, I have seen one source tell me we might get Doom Patrol season four before Titan season four. What the hell? Just saying. Just saying. Not that I'm complaining, but... As long as we get both of them. As long as we get both. As long as we get some da-da closure. (laughs) Good news in terms of our fight, our constant battle, our constant warfare against the elitist snobs on the West Coast in California. When? We We were were promised. promised! California was going to fall into the ocean when? Monday night's Emmy telecast. All-time ratings low. Ooh, 5.92 million people tuned in to the Emmy Awards that this many? past Monday. Again, all-time low, though. For any awards show or just for that one? For the Emmys. For the Emmys. Now, of course, they're saying, well, it was up against Monday night football. Here's the problem with that argument. In the past, it's usually on Sundays. What's against it up against? Sunday night football. <laughs> so you can't make that argument. You can't make that can't. argument. Nobody wants to hear the pompous, arrogant pricks on the West Coast talk about how wonderful they are and pat each other on the back and the ass. And say, oh, 
you need to do this, but we'll do the opposite because we're Hollywood. Great. F you, nobody cares about award shows. They should all be gone. Great tweet. Every once in a while, you know, the trolls will come up with something clever. Most of the time, I don't want to look at the the comments, right. the reviews, but this one was great. Talking about the Emmy Awards. Person says, Hollywood in the olden days used to ask, but will it play in Peoria? Were they actually concerned about how the Midwest right. flyover country cares about things? Yeah. Nowadays, the, the, the tweet continues, nowadays, all they do is show their open disdain and hatred for Peoria. Yep, pretty much that sums it up. So I was very happy to see the Emmys fell on their fucking faces. So happy. And it's all the same goddamn shows. Yeah. 25 over nominations for this show. And over. 20 nominations. How about you idiots, you critics, expand your horizons and start looking at other shows outside of these four or five that you love so much? Yeah, it's The White not... Lotus in succession. I was happy to see at least Squid Game won some major awards. That should have won almost everything. Something edgy, something that all of us actually watched. Ugh, not the pretentious crap. All right, and let's move. face it, the award shows are only good for one thing. Putting your baby to sleep? No, nipple slips during the <laughs> wardrobe <laughs> malfunctions. God, some of these women, I don't want to I don't want to see Jennifer Coolidge have a nipple slip. Yeah, no. Some of these women aren't even that attractive anymore, you know? They're either skin and bones, or they're so fat and overweight like Lizzo. Yeah. Oh, Jesus, God. Sorry, that's what we do here. We're shallow. We care about beautiful women. Sorry, it's what we do. We don't want skeletons, and we don't want... The over obese. Yes, there you go. It's not healthy. No, right. It's we keep told it's healthy. not healthy. Neither is healthy. Very good. Right. A nice hearty. Find a wholesome... medium. Curves. Curves are good. A nice hearty, wholesome, grain-fed girl from the Midwest. There you go. All right. Moments of silence. Of course, it's not really entertainment, but. We will throw in our thoughts and prayers for the passing of Queen Elizabeth II. Yep, the Queen Mum. Thoughts and prayers to the royal family, even though it, it's sad. She's been around forever. But I still don't get why we care so much over here. I know. I know. And I've got a, a dumbass coming up. Who, even though I know I agree with you completely, the whole royal family monarchy thing is overblown, and I don't understand why we honor it and acknowledge it like we do. But sometimes I think we fought go, to get away from it. Some people go too far with their criticism of it. Let's put it that way. 
I hate to mention any media outlet, especially CNN, but even I remember when CNN first started, their first chief anchor was Bernard Shaw. Yep. Oh, you mean back when they actually reported news instead of spouting opinions and creating news out of nothing? Yep. Yeah, I can agree with that. Back when they... Damn you, Ted Turner, to hell for the 24-hour news cycle. Back when they actually had a little modicum of integrity. Yeah, back when they used to fact-check before reporting on things. Or say, oh, we've got breaking news. We will let you know when we find out what's going on. Instead, Instead of, of jumping, speculating. Jumping to conclusions. And then, of course, our final moment of silence. You kids are going to go, who? Who is that they're talking about? Have Dave and Kev had one beer too many tonight as they do the no, podcast? No, no, we have no, not. No, we're not in haste. Oh, damn. Jack Ging. Not King. Ging. Ging. One of the greatest character actors throughout. Throughout television our, history are growing up Mannix, a-team kojak cannon riptide god he was in everything quincy he at least was in one episode of all the greats and not so greats like bj and the bear <laughs> I mean, but you can go back to the magician back in the day. Yeah, the and... Bill Bixby show, the magician. Yeah, Ugh. awesome stuff. Stuff we grew up with. Yep. that we still love to this day. Just that one back when guy. TV actually was good, when you could depend on seven, eight shows a week. How did he not make Banachek? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, he was on A-Team, so he still worked he with still George worked Papard. Papard. But still, he could have had the double. <laughs> oh, Banachek, so good. Available on Freebie. That's through right. Through your Amazon Prime <laughs> subscription. But Freebie you can access without paying. That's right. Banachek and, of course, the new Greg Garcia show, Sprung, also on Freebie. That's which right. Which we'll be reviewing here within the next couple weeks. All right, so that's it for moments of silence. Pivot. Pivot to dumbasses. As I mentioned, people have to be nasty and mean and full of vitriol and spite, even when it comes to a moment like the passing of Queen Elizabeth II. And of course, where else would the nastiest, worst comments come from than The View? I'm sorry. Those bitches need to shut up. Why is that show still on the air? And I'm sorry for using They're... that language, but they are worthless. They are mean. They are spiteful. They are hateful. They are hateful and divisive, evil people. The co-host, who I don't even know. I know, of course, Whoopi Goldberg, idiot. Joy Behar, Bitch idiot. From hell. This one is Sonny Hostin. Must be a new one. Yeah, she's been on for a bit. She, of course, has to say that Queen Elizabeth II 
is dying with a crown on her head full of pillage stones from India and Africa. Oh, for the love of God and all that's holy. I said earlier... I think all of that happened well before she was born, you stupid twit. I said on our sports podcast earlier this week, I believe, I said we need to reset, redo everything from now on. Enough with this living in the past bullshit. Because I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the fact that we're still hearing about people saying we need to pay reparations for slavery from 170 years ago. We need to now, of course, the British are awful because of the monarchy and all the things they did 300, 400 years ago. How about we just live for right now? Judge people based on what they do right now. And if that's the case, everybody in the goddamn media and everybody in Hollywood needs to burn in hell. Because you're all a bunch of pigs, racist, hypocritical, homophobic idiots. They are all definitely hypocrites. Speaking of which, I think he won his seventh Emmy in a row for his show. John Oliver. Oh, God. He had to come out this week. And rip on law and order, saying it's an unrealistic portrayal of law enforcement, therefore it's a defective product. I'm like, so now we can't even create fiction anymore because you're going to rip on it. So every police drama has to be 100% realistic. Dude, the good guys can't win and give us a little bit of hope and a little bit of sunshine and light. We have to depict everything now according to John Oliver's realistic lens. John Oliver's an idiot. He's won seven fucking Emmys in a row for best late night show. Why? I swear to God, I want to sit him next to Stephen Colbert on the sports frenzy plane of doom. And I guarantee as the plane's going down, they'll be making out professing their love for each other. Probably. It boggles my mind how we let Jimmy Kimmel and John Oliver and Stephen Colbert tell the late night people watching how to think and how to feel. You people should be turning this shit off. Think for yourselves. I mean, my God, especially Jimmy Kimmel, that guy is the biggest joke. Considering what he used to be. He has snowjobbed everybody. You said snowballed. Yeah. That's going back to Clerks 1. <laughs> you had Clerks on your mind. I did. He probably snowballed John Oliver from Stephen Colbert. <laughs> oh, that's, a, that's a great, great visual. No, wait a minute. No, it's not. <laughs> Just stop. Don't watch late night television. It's all propaganda. It's not Johnny Carson it's or divisive. Jay Leno anymore. It continues to be divisive. Don't fall for it. Think for yourselves. That's part of the problem is nobody will have a civil discourse. Nobody can agree to disagree. Everybody has to be right or hell, everybody has to be wrong. No, that's not how life works. Find compromise. 
There you go. Coexist as you all want to have happen, but you all refuse to allow to happen. Demi Lovato. Demi Lovato. Oh, I, yeah. She's not going to tour anymore after her current tour. Quote, I'm so fucking sick, I can't get out of bed. So she says she's done touring. My response to this is, well, it must take a lot out of you to change your gender every other fucking day. Isn't she engaged to be married to a, a man? Oh, I thought you were going to say like a horse or something. No, no, she found Kinky her. Kelly? No, she, <laughs> she found her soulmate. I can't remember his name. But I think they so were... now she's back to being a heterosexual again, or no? Yeah, she can, I think she can so. marry a man, but she doesn't have to be a heterosexual. Something there's something goofy there. So yeah. she can cheat on him with a man, a goat, a woman, whatever she decides. A squid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the deep. The deep. <laughs> it's not what it looks like. Davy Jones. There's a squid on your crotch. <laughs> I just, she's a perfect example of poster child of her modern day stupidity. Pretty much. She is a snowflake. She is an absolute 100% snowflake. Everything's, oh, the world is so hard and I can't figure out who I am or what I want to be. And now, even though I've been given this gift of being a popular performer, it's too much for me. Oh, I can't get out of bed now. Me. Yeah. Whoa is me god forbid you actually might get a real fucking job and have to earn a living like a normal person yeah i heard movies has got an opening <laughs> <laughs> all right finally this one dave might disagree with me on but he you need to hear me out all right i'm calling out our boy tommy lee of course Recently, I called him out for being dumb enough to post pictures of his dick. On it was Instagram an accidental. And say it was an accident. That's whatever. bullshit. And let's point something out. Dave and I have seen Motley Crue multiple times, and we get the whole thing with the titty cam, and we get it. It's part of the deal. It doesn't offend us. It doesn't bother us. It is us. what it is. Sometimes it's fun. Sometimes it's a little bit sad. tedious. Sad. So I guess at one of the final stops on the, t the stadium tour, of course, that we saw last month, there were complaints. People were complaining. Some parents were complaining, saying, why did I bring my kid to this? Because Tommy Lee's just wanting women to flash their boobs and guys are ripping their pants off and showing their schlongs. And I agree with Tommy Lee on this. It's a Motley Crue show. You better, you better know, know what, what the hell you're getting in. You better know what you're getting going in. So in terms of that, in terms of you need to do your research before you're bringing kids to a Motley Crue show, I agree with Tommy Lee. Here's the problem I have with him, though. At the final show of the stadium tour, he decided to flash the audience, pull his pants down. And, of course, on his butt, he had written only fans. 
the borderline pornographic pay site or celebrities who now want to show off their dinglings or their junk or their boobies or tease you for a subscription price. Right. So now Tommy Lee obviously advertising that he's going to OnlyFans. And, of course, he's got to moon the crowd to do it. Ah, ha, ha. Very uh, funny. We get it, Tommy. We get it, Tommy. Going back to the San Francisco show, though, one of his comments to the parents who were complaining about the nudity and the people flashing yeah. assorted private parts, this is the problem I've got with him. He tells the parents, why don't you grow the fuck up? Dude, I'm come like, on. Tommy, you are the most immature ass bag in the world of rock and roll. You have never acted more than 12 years old in your life. Exactly. For you to tell somebody to grow the fuck up is That's ridiculous. Insane. How about you grow the fuck up a little bit? Yeah. And again, Dave and I aren't complaining. We know what you get. At a Motley Crue show. It exactly. doesn't bother us. But for Tommy Lee to be a hypocrite and tell parents, again, they should have known better going in. Don't tell people to grow the fuck up when, when you, you are the it. most immature idiot in the rock and roll world. And we love you. You're our rock and roll idiot. Don't get me wrong. But you're still an idiot. But for you to tell somebody else to grow the fuck up, Dave said it best. Tommy, why don't you try it first and then get back to us? There you go. Well, that was fun. Always is. <laughs> He's a conquistador, Dave Hite. He's a maestro, Kevin Crane. Of course, next week, as we promised, reviews of Clerks 3, Stone Temple Pilots, and Everclear in concert. Yep. Next week's weekend edition will be phenomenal. Do not miss it. We'll check you out later. Hey, check out the Facebook page. Check out the sports edition. Drop us a line. Leave us a comment. Give us some suggestions for movies. Give us your story time so we can check it out and report it back. As always, he is a wise, wise man. We're trying to get some interaction going with our audience there you go we will check you out next week as promised clerks three stp he's dave i'm kev see you next week kids